You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Federal Premium Ammunition and their new Centerfire Rifle Ammunition Terminal Ascent. Now, the Terminal Ascent has a slipstream polymer tip that helps flatten trajectories and initiates low-velocity expansion at longer ranges. The Terminal Ascent gives you match-grade long-range accuracy in a bonded hunting bullet and it comes in a variety of cartridges including the 6.5 creedmoor the 280 ackley improved the 28 nosler the 7 millimeter remington mag 30-06 and the 300 win mag if you want to find more information about the terminal ascent visit federalpremium.com and while you're there check out it's federal season the official podcast of federal ammunition all right welcome back to the hunting gear podcast i'm your host dan johnson and (laughs) riding in a wicker basket on the front of a bicycle is bob palanik bob how's it going man i'm doing good I'm doing good. That uh, that was a pretty good uh, Photoshop. Oh, dude! By uh, whoever did that, I forgot I, his handle on Instagram. But yeah, I, I love when I we talk about something, whether it's this podcast, Nine Finger Chronicles, or what any any podcast that I'm on, and someone sends me a picture of what I talk about, and it's just this abstract, crazy. Like uh, one time, uh, I requested that someone Photoshop Mark Kenyon rubbing a bush light can and me popping out dressed as a genie and somebody <laughs> did it <laughs> that's genius yeah uh, that's good yep so today um man i had something i wanted to talk to you about uh how's it going up uh up in michigan dude it's going good man uh pretty chill i mean world's kind of a crazy place right now but uh as far as northern michigan goes it's pretty pretty calm pretty peaceful and uh i've just mind my own business and try to be thankful every day for what i have it's been my yeah. mindset lately yeah it's a fact man i i tell you what um for me personally like i live in iowa okay if you want to talk about uh a, a, just a, a state with the a lack of diversity, not by, not by choice, really. I mean, it's just that's the way it is, right? Uh, that's that's where I live. I live in a in Iowa. I mean, just 
the name alone almost just a, is just <laughs> I live in Iowa, right? So, man, my my life obviously even with COVID, dude, my my life has not changed at all. Um, and I guess I'm okay with that. Yeah, I hear you, man. That's uh, it'd be nice to maybe go out to dinner. Uh, yeah. You know? Yeah, that's that's, that's kind of that's just starting to open back up here. Yeah, same in, here uh, in Michigan, but um, a lot of places aren't. They're still doing takeout or whatever. So I, I don't know, but yeah, I would I would like to get together with just like a big crew of people and just go to dinner. But yeah. that's even getting together with like a big group of people and like doing something still hard because all the group sizes are still supposed to be limited and i don't know how much you can get away with a big group at a at a restaurant right now so yeah but yeah no it's uh as far as floating down a river and whitetail scouting and getting cameras up like all that's still business as usual yeah so. yeah i feel you man i uh i went scouting was it last weekend or the weekend before i ended up getting out and doing a little scouting um i was sitting down having this conversation with my wife um and when we were talking a little bit about my upcoming Western hunt, my, my mule deer hunt, and it's way less physically demanding than if I was to compare it to an elk hunt, it's just way more physically demanding the elk hunt is, right? So this year, um, I'm just doing my mule deer hunt, which is way more physically demanding than my whitetail hunts, right? Yep. So I said, man, I'd love to lose 30 pounds uh, before, wow. before the... Uh, before uh you know my mule deer hunt in october and you know whatever i i I had planned on doing these workout like this workout regimen but you know how it is working out at home versus working out on a gym or something else like you don't just you just don't get the the uh heart rate acceleration like you need so my wife for father's day it ends up buying me a membership to this gym it's like a fitness program and this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, when this launches, it'll be Thursday. And, oh, my Lord, it has kicked the literal shit out of me. Like, I had I had to walk over to the wall and bend over in front of a trash can because I thought I was going to puke two days in a row. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so, impressive. So, I mean... I'm soaking wet. Oh yeah. And, and the whole goal. And here's the other thing I've really tried to, uh, like count my calories and like, dude, I am a sweets guy. I, I can sit down with a box of cereal. I mean, two weeks ago I had like three bowls of cereal at 1030 at night. So (laughs) that's the kind of person that I am. I'm going to see how long I can maintain it. And but I have this app right that allows me to count my calories and really watch my intake and and uh, I'm doing this fitness program. So the goal is to try to drop my. I don't think I'm going to be able to drop 30 pounds by that time, but I think based off my calculations, I should be able to drop 16 pounds. What? Uh, how much do you weigh right now? So the first day of class, I weighed 240. <laughs> oh wow. Oh, damn. Yep. What's you weigh at ATA? Uh, probably 230, 235. Okay. All right. Yeah. I didn't think think you weighed that much, but I was, I'm too, well, right now I'm 215, but I was, I was all at 220 at that point. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, 
I got laid off from my job a while ago and did the, uh, you know, what going on over a year now. And I worked out pretty good every single lunch hour, every single lunch hour, five days a week, go to the gym, work out, row machine, you know, weights, all that good stuff. And it, uh, and then I stopped or I got laid off from that job and then I just quit working out. So I pulled the ripcord yeah. pretty heavy and uh, put on some LBs and uh, now I'm trying to get them off. And dude, I feel like, I mean, I feel like garbage. I feel wrecked. I mean, I feel good that I've got these awesome workouts in, but my body is just, dude, I'm almost 40. So, <laughs> right, right. No doubt. No doubt. I think they say basically if you haven't worked out in a long time, whether it's two months or a year, you need to go back at like half, half speed. Yeah. If you want, if you don't want to be like, uh, like immobile sore. Yeah. So, cause I, I don't know what you mean. The, the gym here in Michigan, they literally opened today. Yeah. As soon as this podcast is over with, I'm going to the gym for the first time in, uh, let's see what, two months, three months, whatever it is. Yeah. And I, I couldn't be more excited. Like I've been doing the at home workout. Just, it's just not, it's not the same. Yeah. I work out for 20 minutes and I'm bored and I'm done I, where I used to be able to go to the gym and just be there for a solid hour and still want to do more, but be physically exhausted. Yeah. Now I could do more, but I just get bored and I just go upstairs and, and eat food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so far th- the first three days have been really good. I, I, I'll be honest with you. If I can maintain this, I should have no problem out West this year. I mean, the mule deer hunt really wasn't challenging because actually last year's mule deer hunt, I was coming off of an already elk hunt. So I had some decent conditioning leading up to that, but this year I didn't have that. So I started to get worried and, uh, man, I, I feel pretty confident now if I, and I'm a cheapskate too. So I'm going to go every single day to get my money's worth. And, uh, right. you know, so <laughs> So let's let's back up real quick. Your wife, <laughs> as a gift for Father's Day, got you a you need to lose weight program. Well, I mean, yes, like a, yes, <laughs> yes. I love it. But I love it. it was only because I talked about wanting to like lose weight, right? Yeah. But yeah. I'm gonna flip the script a little bit, and I'm gonna say what would happen if the tables were turned and I bought a workout regiment for my wife, it's like, yeah, well maybe you could lose a couple pounds. <laughs> like, yeah. Good luck with that. I'd probably, I'd be sleeping on the couch. Yeah. Bail or the shit, the garage probably. So yeah, I've had those conversations with my wife. Uh, if I was getting fat, would you tell me? And I was like, I, I don't know. I'm a very direct, very blunt guy. Yeah. I just don't know how I'd sugarcoat that. Yeah. So, <laughs> She's got no problem telling me that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like you're a little soft. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, um, let's see. We've we've done our allotted bullshit time. So I think we should get into today's topic. And, you know, I think this is going to be a, a little bit of a quicker podcast because I'll be honest, um, like we talked about before the podcast started, my kill kit is pretty small. Uh, it's pretty simple. Um western hunts and even at home whitetail hunts uh my my i have a very basic simple kill kit and i that's what we're going to talk about today are are do you go over the top or is your kill kit simple as well 
Uh, very simple. I mean, like kind of what you're saying. If you're, especially if you're backpack hunting, uh, the simpler is probably also going to mean the the lightest. You know, the most lightweight. So yeah, very simple. Yeah. Okay. So let's just start off where we need to start off here, and let's just go with knives, and let's let's break it down for at home because I I don't want to say elk versus whitetail or elk versus deer. I want to go. I think we should break it down this way. I think we should break it down where access to a truck, no access to a truck. Does that sound? Mm-hmm. Does that sound? Because even yeah. on a whitetail hunt, let's say a DIY public land backcountry hunt, I'm going to bring my backcountry kit versus my it stays in the truck kit. Okay. All right. Is that how is that how you would break it down, or would you break it down a different way? Yeah, no, when I'm whitetail hunt, yeah, I would break it down that way. All right, so um, let's start with knives, so kick it off. Uh, for whitetails, or for, let's, sorry. Let's for, go backcountry first. Okay, backcountry first. Knives, I I bring two knives with me. Yep. I bring um, the, was it the Havilon Piranha with okay. the replaceable blades. That thing's pretty lightweight. It's like three ounces. Um, I, it's, there's the pros are that it's lightweight and you can switch out the blade the cons it's not durable and those blades have can snap and um if you're quartering out a bull or an elk and you know that knife can get pretty gummed up with meat and hide and stuff like that it can be a pain to get the blade off and the last time uh i was i was quartering out a bull with my buddy he was switching blades and he couldn't get it off and he ended up stabbed himself he ended up cutting his finger so bad that he had to like bandage it dang so that was kind of like that sucked but and i also bring um like a uh, a normal buck knife with me like it's the same knife i use for if i you know if i'm hunting out of my truck basically yeah um it's got like a four inch blade on it it's a little heavier it's probably i don't know 10 ounces whereas that havilon's like three ounces but yeah, that's good for getting in those joints, um, and it's also really good on an, for an elk, like scooping out the back straps. Because I do the, we do the gutless method, where you don't gut the elk, you just you skin them and then you quarter them out. So okay, um, having that bigger that four inch blade is kind of easier to kind of just like scoop those those back straps right off the spine. Yeah, so, yeah, so. makes sense. All right. Yep. So, um, and do you, do, do you bring any type of saw with you? I do not No. Okay. So, uh, I guess the gutless method really, and, and then when you pack out your elk, are you deboning it there or are you taking whole quarters out? I do debone it. Two reasons. One, um, I have done it both ways. I have not deboned it. And I ha- and uh, the other times I, I have deboned, it's insane. The amount of weight you save by taking an extra half hour and deboning everything also the amount of heat that those bones hold is incredible yeah so that's what one thing we noticed when we deboned the second bull that we killed we had we had a hindquarter sitting off to the side and it was only like 45 degrees that day we had that hindquarter sitting off to the side for probably two and a half hours and by the time we came back to it and deboned it that bone was still, I don't know, 90 degrees or how, whatever the internal temperature of a, of an elk is. We couldn't believe how much heat that bone was holding still. Yeah. So, 
So yeah, that's just a good way to cool down your meat and save weight. I would highly recommend if you have a long pack out, highly recommend deboning. Yeah. So on those Havilons, are they like replaceable blades? Like you use them one time, then you toss them? Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're processing a, you know, you're quartering out a, an elk, uh, you can almost you go through a blade uh, per per quarter. Really, that might be a little aggressive. It depends. I mean, if you skin it, skinning it, and then getting like one side done, you, after that, you probably need to replace the blade. Okay, all right. So, how so many blades prob- do you go through on a typical elk? Uh, I think four. Four blades. Okay. Yep. And how many do you take with you for a hunt? Ten. Ten blades. Okay. Yep. Just so in case. Four. Four per elk. Yep. I've always, much. I've always uh, wanted to try out. Um, I think Rivers Edge. No, no, not Rivers Edge. Uh, Outdoor, Edge. Outdoor Edge and Havilon both have the disposable blades, and uh, mm-hmm. I definitely want to give those knives a try sometime. But I'm, like, right now I'm a, I'm a, just like a, a fixed blade. Dude, well, I guess my Gerber is a fold, just a folding knife. But um, I'll tell you, my my knives are the same for both, right? I mean, when I have access to my truck, the only thing that I'm doing is gutting it. So a, a whitetail, right? So my my knives are the same. I bring the same knife set with me on a backpack hunt as I do versus you know leaving it leaving it in my truck. So my my go-to knife for um everything is the buck and it's called no, it's a buck knife it's called a zipper the buck zipper knife and it is its overall length is eight and a half inches it comes in a sheath it's it's uh fixed so you know it doesn't fold and it weighs let's see i have the wooden one and it is six ounces okay yep so I mean, it's a badass knife. Uh, it is. It. I don't like knives that are too light, and then I don't like knives that are too heavy. But this one sits really good in the hand. It has the gut hook on it, and so I use the knife to unzip uh, the mule deer that we did this last year. We unzipped it from, you know, its uh, sternum because we we're going to mount it, uh, sternum all the way down to the the, I guess the anus, and then we'll rip it open and. Uh, and then we use that knife to pretty much skin the deer out and put a little water on it. And then we start deboning with it, right? Cut the back straps out, cut all, you know, and that's the, that's the knife we used and, um, or that's the knife I use for that, uh, for that method. But then the other knife that I have, that I use most of all, or I shouldn't say most of all, let me go back to Buck real quick. I do want to talk about the blade because it's a sturdy blade. It it has held its sharpness now for several years. I'd say I think I've had it for three years now. So it's a sharp knife. It holds its edge very well, and uh, like I like it. I really like that that knife. And then we have Gerber, where I brought two knives with me: the smaller Gerber, and it is unfolded. It is eight and a half inches. So when it's, you know, when it's out, it's longer than the other knife, but it weighs 5.6 ounces and I use, it has a gut hook on it as well. So, you know, if you're skinning and you need to get around the legs, um, it's, it's pretty good at, uh, 
at you know ripping the skin out and at getting around the legs to you know get the quarters out and get the back straps out or whatever the only bad thing about that blade is that it does not hold a very good blade i mean it's 28 bucks right so right. kind yep. of what do you expect with 28 yep. bucks sure. so i'll tell you right now that that is a backup knife that i don't use that knife unless i you know there was two of us working at at the same time and when we were out backcountry hunting uh we were we both had knives on us but we kind of were trading knives back and forth depending on how we how we were breaking down that mule deer so i think uh you know it's it's strictly a backup knife i sharpen it every after every time i put it away you know before i put it away for the year or after i you know when i'm whitetail hunting i'll, I'll shoot a doe and i sharpen it and then it goes away it does its job for 15 minutes and then after that it's dull as shit and uh so that buck knife let's see here that buck knife that i was talking to you about i bought it for like 85 bucks or 90 bucks significantly sharper better materials obviously it's made in america uh, as one would expect the gerber is not and you know i don't know what else to say about that i mean it is it's it's a simple knife probably i use that gerber more for cutting i don't know string or fixing things or you know doing what ever needs cut but when in processing uh, that buck uh the buck zipper knife really has come in handy so yeah i've i've used that knife before a few years ago i um have you found a good way to like what happened to me is that zipper blade got dull and i haven't found a good way to sharpen it on the buck knife yeah um you know i guess i haven't reached that point in it yet gotcha it's uh it's still pretty sharp and i mean it's drag it down and it goes so yeah um the the buck knife that i do use is a it sounds essentially like it's the same knife as you have just no zipper hook on it okay it's wood wood handle four inch blade it's a little heavier um but it's just it feels it's not too heavy feels good in the hand it's got a nice like guard on it for your index finger and uh it's it's held a great edge i've had it for uh, i think i got it for christmas like three or four years ago so that's what i've always got on me and that's what i use yeah like you said with whitetails just typically just gut them and drag them is it is it the ranger or is it the vanguard you think the woodsman the woodsman the woodsman the woodsman the woodsman well i don't see it here and i'm not gonna look too woodsman. yeah okay the woodsman all right cool yeah all right and yeah oh here it is yeah my blade is a little uh, thicker than that. Okay. But, okay. yeah, I see the woodsman knife. Mine is yeah. mine is called the buck zipper. All right. So sure. Gerber, it does its job. And then uh, – but I, I do – I'm very interested in the the disposable blade knives because I think they, they can definitely serve a purpose, and you don't have to go through the hassle of sharpening. I think sharpening a knife can – be somewhat difficult if you don't do it a lot and so when i sharp when i've sharpened my buck knife in the past my father or my stepdad he has the oil and he has a stone and he works it real good and stuff and you know teaches me how to do it but then there's the roller like you just put the knife blade in and you kind of roll it through and it's supposed to sharpen it i don't i've found that those don't work 
as well as taking your time and getting that blade real sharp on a stone. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I have the one that's got like the, uh, the wheel, the motorized wheel, like the grinding wheel. And you like, it's angled. It's got like four slots. Like, uh, the first two slots, they're, you know, they're angled opposite ways. And that gets you like your rough edge. And then you have like a, uh, the other two, uh, they're both angled opposite. And that gives you like your fine edge. Um, and then it's got like a thing that you like, swipe it through to, to kind of deburr it. That has worked well. But even that versus just like sharpening like my kitchen knives from like a kitchen block with like yeah. the uh, the normal whatever the I don't know what you call that knife sharpener, but uh, that's just like long and it's like a long round cylinder. You just swipe that on each side of your knives. I think that gives you a better edge than what that you know that grinding wheel does. Yeah. So, so do you keep a actual kit? in your bag or do you keep your knife on you like some, some guys keep it on their bino harness some guys keep it on their belt oh i keep it in my kill kit yeah yeah i normally have a leatherman on my hip okay all right cool yep. do you use that leatherman at all during the the process no 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 okay. no all right so the only other thing about knives is that uh, it sounds like you're doing the gutless method me i haven't done that yet so I do the, uh, you know, the gutum method. And so I always like to break the pelvis. So I like to carry a blade with me or a, a saw with me. So in the past, I have used a, and it's, it's not ounce friendly, right? I mean, it's not a backpacker type saw, but I carry it with me anyway. It's the uh, Wicked Tree Gear Bone Saw. Okay. And yep. it's badass, dude. I mean, it cuts through pelvis really quick and it's really it's a big blade and it is it does the job and it does it quick and you know there's no struggling to uh, cut the pelvis up and and get that done and then and then at the end let's say we didn't we we deboned the hind quarters but we left bone in on the front quarters so we cut the basically the hooves off the, right. the parts of the leg with no meat on it and then you know that was a, saved us a little weight as well but that is what we did that's i bring that everywhere i go and that stays in my truck as well all right so i've kind of i've kind of said that my knife system is the same in the truck and at home or in backcountry but what is your in the truck knife system or for uh, knives it's simply that buck knife woodsman yeah that goes in my backpack and uh yeah if i kill a deer it's get down track it gut it and start dragging it out so yeah. i don't uh, i don't do the gutless method or cor I don't, i've never quartered out a white tail out yeah. and, you know in the woods and quartered out and carried it out i've always dragged it out hung it up yeah in iowa you can't quarter an animal out you have to bring okay. it out of the timber hole so I've never done it either. So, not sure. All right. So the next thing that we should go to is let's go with game bags. Okay. All right. So here's here's what we've done. I don't bring anything to lay the meat out on. Uh, what I, what I do is I'll take my raincoat and I'll lay it out flat, and if I have another jacket that. Um, or a pair of rain pants this is what we did so we have my rain jacket 
my my hunting partner's rain jacket, his rain pants. And then as we're cutting the meat off this deer, we lay it out before we put it in the packs to get it, you know, to cool down. So we are laying it on top of our rain jackets. Do you okay. do, uh, do you have a, do you bring a tarp with you or a trash bag or something to lay it, lay it down on? Yeah, I bring a, well, I, the first time, uh, or the, the first few years I was in the back country doing this, uh, yeah, I had like a, one of those like blue five by seven tarps that are like five bucks from Walmart. Since then, um, I have actually moved on to, um, I forget exactly what it's called, but basically your, uh, whatever you'd like the it comes in a tent, like whatever, a lot of tents have them. Um, you just put them underneath your actual tent. So it's just, yep. I forgot what, the, I'm drawing a blank. But it's much lighter weight, it's much quieter, and it packs up a lot smaller. Oh, yeah. It's just your it's just your little ground cover. And it's basically, I mean, you kind of sacrifice that, because now you're not using that for your actual tent. You're using it for, you know, to lay quarters out on. But, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of having something to lay uh lay all your meat out on yeah yeah um so why don't you just continue on with your game bags so the game bags i use are caribou gear and it's the wapiti set and um i think there's five game bags in there and we have pretty standard uh each quarter goes into a game bag and then back straps scrap meat neck meat stuff like that all go into uh, the fifth game bag, and uh, yeah, that's kind of about it, man. So, is it a disposable game bag? No, they're synthetic, so you can wash them. Yeah, they breathe. They breathe really well. They've got like the cinch cord at the top, um, and it, yeah, it definitely keeps bugs off very well. They breathe good. Um, you know, they don't they don't hold any blood or anything like that. So, yeah, what what's um, that? Uh, what did that cost you? I think they run anywhere from sixty to ninety bucks, depending on time of year, website, stuff like that. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. All right. So my game bag system, you know, I already mentioned how I lay my meat out, but yep. And you know, I didn't buy this. Uh, it retails for ninety five dollars and ninety five cents on their website, but the name of the game bag is called Garak. G R A K K S A W. So I'm assuming it's Graxaw. A guy reached out to me on Instagram and he's like, Hey man, can I send you some of my game bags? And I'm like, Yeah, sure, dude. Send it send them over. And they are tent material. It's a game oh. it's a game bag made really? out of the same material that a the walls of a, a backpacking tent are made out of. And I will tell you this right now, they are badass. They have it almost looks like ripstop on them, so if you're okay. dragging them or you get they get poked or whatever, they're I mean they're really durable. They are machine washable. They they expand up. Let me see here. I mean the the name of it is the Ultralight XL Game Bag, and I'm pretty sure that's what I have here. It doesn't give any stat. Oh, here it is. There's eight bags. And it looks like the ultralight, the ultralight comes in at like nine ounces for all the game bags. So, I mean, it's pretty light. It's very durable and machine washable. So, you know, honestly, I don't see myself buying another set of game bags 
in the near future at all. Right. Yeah. That's that's very light. I'm in, I'm very interested now. Yeah. So it's um, uh, graksaw.com, G-R-A-K-K-S-A-W.com. Wow, that's that's really light. I just looked up the uh, Caribou Gear game bags that I'm using. Yeah. From, well, they're they're seventy bucks, and then they it's twenty one ounces. Twenty one ounces. So twenty one ounces. So it's it's over twice as heavy. Yeah. So the guy here says that. You know, if you're an ounce crusher, you know, a counter, you know, you want right, to try to get right. all the ounces away. He says this is probably the cheapest way to get a majority of your ounces off of your pack by going with these. Yeah. You know, I don't know, you know, if someone did the math and said every ounce, the average ounce on my pack costs this much money, what it would all come out to. But at, I don't know, just under $100 year for nine ounces 9.5 ounces for eight bags that's what i have here um i don't know i'm not an ounce counter quite yet i'm not an ounce counter i know there's i know there's guys that are i mean i know there's guys that take every like extra tassel off of their zippers and stuff like that on their backpacks because they count so many ounces yeah so yeah and it looks like here um it's very breathable so the guy also here says that uh let me see it says that because it's breathable, you're, they, they feel like they're wet because they're bringing all the heat and humidity out of the meat, cooling it down faster. Nice. So, yeah, that's kind of cool. And the bags are 14 inches by 33 inches in size and a hair over one ounce each. Wow. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. And it says that it's... Uh, the bags can each hold 50 plus pounds of D-bone meat. I'll tell you right now, we had more than 50 pounds in them packing, okay. that, packing that, uh, that mule deer out, especially everything from the hindquarters. Yeah. It's man. It is impressive how heavy meat is. Oh yeah. It oh, really yeah. is. Yeah. All right. So we got game bags. We talked about knives. What else is in your kill kit? I don't use game bags uh, uh, for whitetail, so we can just skip that part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right there with you. Uh, paracord, yep. paracord. That's that's about it. And I have actually never actually hung uh, any meat from a tree. I've actually just ended up putting it on deadfall, like down in a creek bottom. Which hindsight, uh, that's almost just like a buffet for yeah. a grizzly bear. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but I've never we've never had an issue. So I've, we've always moved. Um, we've always moved our quarters a solid 500 yards away from, from the carcass. So, yeah. Uh, but that's about it. Paracord. I know some guys have a, um, like a pulley system. Um, that way they can, uh, like a, like a small, like some people will have like a homemade, like block and tackle deal. Um, where, so they can get their, their meat hung up in a tree a lot easier. Uh, I've never gone that route. I might. I do hunt everywhere. I hunt is in grizzly country, so it probably is in grizzly. Is in grizzly country. I have only ever hunted in grizzly country. Yep. Oh well, you're a badass. I didn't know that That's, you were that much of a badass. You know, I heard you on uh, another podcast, kind of being a little uh, wishy washy about I was it. Sissy yeah, boy, not, just call me a sissy. No. No, it's definitely something that most some people just aren't 
you, you definitely need to have your senses kind of more aware. Um, it's all I've ever known. Uh, so, and we don't, we don't even take pistols or anything. We just take bear spray. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, you just, I've, I, we've been face to face with a few black bears and I've had wolves at 20 yards and stuff like that. I've never had a grizzly bear encounter. Um, I don't know. You just, the, the black bear encounter at 20 yards, that definitely shook us up. Um, but yeah, I've seen a ton of black bears. Um, and I've seen a ton of black bears close and I've also crossed a lot of bear tracks, but I've never, I've never crossed a grizzly track and, uh, I've never seen a grizzly. So I have, we have, we have come out after a five day hunt and on the way in, there was no sign about grizzly bears. When we got out, we looked at the sign going into the trailhead and the DNR or whoever it was. They put up a sign that said, beware, uh, grizzly on a carcass within proximity of such and such trail. And I was like, that's the trail that we just walked down. <laughs> so, And we honestly, we went into town, grabbed a burger, grabbed a hotel, grabbed a shower, and went right back up at the next day and spent another three days in there. So um, I don't know. I feel like it just... There's plenty of people that hunt in grizzly country and don't ever have an encounter. I, yeah. I know guys that have been doing it for a decade or more and they've never seen one. So it's, uh, I don't know, maybe, and then maybe you just, you get away from a few more people that were out too. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. So, well, something, yeah. something I got to figure out one of these days, but uh paracord on, you bring it with you, but you don't necessarily use it. Right. I mean, I've always, I mean, I've got maybe hang my food with it, but yeah. uh, I've got a separate amount in my in my um, kill kit. I would say I would probably hang it if we had if like if we had a lot of bear encounters and stuff like that. Um, but the the times that we've had um, elk on the ground, they just have not seen a lot of bear activity. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I bring paracord with me as well. Um, I haven't had to use it yet because we killed our our deer early enough in the day where you know it didn't get late we didn't necessarily need to hang it we didn't need to leave where we were going but what i will say is i use paracord all the time not all the time but a lot when i'm hunting whitetails especially if i'm gutting a deer myself you know you you like to keep the legs open i Mm -hmm. i will tie paracord to one of the legs of a deer and then tie it to a tree so I don't have to bother with it. And then just take the other one, slide it out, and let that leg get opened up so it's not in the way. Oh, that's that's genius. Yeah, and then once I cut the pelvis, you don't have to worry about it anyway. But it's just, right, right. it takes two minutes to do, and it saves me, you know, just having to get that leg out of the way all the time. Right. So. Right. That's what I do with that's what I do with paracord. Um, are you a rubber glove guy? Do you keep rubber gloves in your? No, no, no. I'm a, I'm a wastewater treatment operator, man. <laughs> you should, that'd be funny if you go. Nope, I'm a I'm a man. I don't no, uh, I don't wear no. rubber gloves. But uh, my uh, my father in law he wears these rubber gloves that go all the way up past his elbows, almost up to his armpits. Then he'll throw gloves on. And then he'll do everything there, and then he just strips it all off and doesn't have to worry about uh, cleaning up. But I don't use any type of gloves either. I'm I'm the guy who walks away from a uh, 
a gut pile that looks like I was the re- like I'm a grizzly bear. Like I'm just covered, oh, yeah. covered in yeah. blood from the elbows down, and I guess I don't ha- really have a problem with it. So no, man, it's part of it. I mean, yeah. with white with white tails, typically it's cold out, so it's nice to get your hands up in there. I mean, you'd get the warmth even if you were wearing gloves, but uh, with elk, the gutless method, that's yeah, not you know, there's not a whole lot. There's not a whole lot of blood or guts or anything like that. You know, yeah. it's, it's a pretty, it's a much cleaner process. And then the only thing I'll say about breaking down an elk with a hunting buddy is that's got to be one of the most enjoyable experiences of, of killing a bull. Yeah. I mean, or, or even a cow or whatever, just the, the laughter and jokes and <laughs> all the stuff that I've shared while quartering out of an elk has been probably the most memorable, memorable parts of a, of a hunt that I'll never forget. Yeah, so. man. I tell you what, um, the guy that I went on a mule deer hunt with when we were breaking the, that deer down, we snipped at each other a couple, a couple times, but at the end of it, it was very enjoyable. I will agree, but it's like, Oh, Hey, no, don't do that. Do this. No. Hey, well, no. why don't you do it? You know, like, and then, okay, we're, we're done here. Let's keep moving. You know? And, mm-hmm. uh, it was cool, man. I, it's the, you know, the breakdown and the, and the pack out, of all the things, it's that, you know, everybody talks about type two fun, right? That, yeah. that breakdown. Oh, I forgot, forgot to mention to you in my kill kit. I always keep something to eat in it, uh, especially when I'm out West. And I read some t- a while ago that this guy always keeps like a, a cliff bar or some kind of a stinger, you know, sugary type thing to get his energy going and I read that and I did it. And when we, right before I, we took off, I ate that cliff bar. And so I just imagine not having that cliff bar in my pack and trying to hike out that 3.5 miles, uh, with a hundred pounds on my pack. I think that that cliff bar got me through that pack out. Yeah. I so, uh, I always keep a little something to eat in there as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. I am, I never pack light on food. I always have extra. Yeah. So I had to, and then the other thing with being in grizzly country, I can't have, uh, the kill kit stays in my backpack all the time. So I yeah. can't, you know what I mean? Food's always got to be out of the backpack by the time you go to bed. Right. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Any, anything, like I said, you know, this is, this is a pretty cut and dry uh, episode is there anything else special about your kill kit or maybe something that you got your eye eyes on that you want to take a look at no not really it's one thing that i have not you know knives and game bags and stuff like that uh it's not anything that i've really dove down that rabbit hole too far you yeah. know so i think it's just simple it can be simple i mean it doesn't right. there's you know i know there's game bags that are disposable i mean i have on my first colorado elk hunt that you know i've never i never took the opportunity to use them but they are disposable cloth you know open them up throw the meat in and then throw them away when you get when you get back but uh other than that man i I think it's just something really simple now i know that during the breakdown the kill kit if you're a long way back right you're not going to make it back to the truck in the night you got to take there's probably some extra things in your kill kit that you might need I just haven't experienced that yet or have been on a hunt like that yet. So, yeah, I've, I've 
the first the the first and only bull that I killed, it was five miles from the truck, and I shot him at I don't know like three thirty, uh, and we didn't have him we didn't have him quartered out and away from the carcass until probably eight p.m. And by the time we got back to the truck, it was I think two a.m. and there wasn't I mean we weren't missing anything. We had food. We were a little low on food and water by the end. But, uh, yeah, a little low on headlamp headlamp power as well with the battery situation. Yeah. But, uh, hiking out for, you know, six hours in the dark. It basically gets dark out at 8 in September when you're elk hunting. Yeah. Your mule deer hunt, I would assume, just uh, in October is going to be even earlier. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, so yeah, having a spare pair of batteries, I guess. Maybe you should have that in your backpack anyway, I would think. Yeah. Um, so. We shot the deer at... I mean, he heart shot it, so it died. I mean, it pretty much died instantly. And we shot it at 1.20 in the afternoon, and we were back at the truck a quarter to eight, just as it was turning dark. I mean, it was that gray light period. Okay. So we, uh, we did it all in roughly, you know, six and a half hours, if you want to say nice. that. So, nice. And that included the, the, the pack out with 100 pounds on our back. So, Yeah. That is one thing. If uh, if you have a couple trips, bring you take the heavy load first. Yeah. Always take the heavy load first. Yeah. So there's nothing worse than coming back and you, you know your first load's <laughs> 80 pounds and your second load's 120. It's awful. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> so, no. No. Well, all right, so, Bob. Well, I think uh, we nailed it. Anything else before we let him go? That's about it for me, man. All right. Remind them again if they have any questions about gear, where they can uh, hit you up at, Bob. It's going to be at Hybrid Outdoors on Instagram and then also on Facebook. You can find me, Hybrid Outdoors as well. So, yeah. Nine Finger yes, Chronicles on Instagram, Nine Finger Chronicles on Facebook. Hopefully, everybody has a great rest of their week. And I know it's raining out here in Iowa, but uh, I can't wait to get back outside. So, everybody, have a good one, and we'll talk to you next time.